Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Podcast. I am in conversation with Sagarika. She is the head of strategy at Lenovo India and is also the chief of staff to the India CEO. Her insights on managing her business, on the things that she has learned so far and how she executes the role of the chief of staff is truly amazing. Guys, please tune in and if you like it, I would love to have a recommendation and share it with your friends. Thank you guys. Today I have with me Sagarika Ayanamahanti. She is a chief of staff at Lenovo and she brings with her um, you know almost a decade of experience in strategy. She's worked for companies like Accenture and uh, Monitor before it before it was acquired by Deloitte. And she's going to share with us her journey as a chief of staff, how did she reach that point and how is she creating an impact? uh in her organization so welcome sagarika and thank you for joining me on the strategy podcast thanks rohit thanks for having me here my first question to you sagarika is uh, around your initial journey so why didn't you take us through your background and uh, how did you reach to where you are today sure uh, yeah so i come from this place called vishakhapatnam uh, in andhra pradesh uh, where i spent almost 21 years of my life um, so i did my schooling and undergraduation from vizag um, i did my engineering from andhra university in computer science and engineering at that point was like the logical or the most natural thing to do for most of us uh, in our generation because uh yeah that that was the craze at that point in time right so um, i joined engineering uh, as a given no thought processing to it and post engineering uh, i was clear that i wanted to get into management field because um, i wanted varied exposure to different business areas and not necessarily limit myself to a particular area so that's the reason um, i uh, started thinking about mba when i was in engineering and um, joined iim bangalore immediately after my engineering hmm. so after a couple of years at iim bangalore um, i was a fresher at iim right without any prior work ex and uh, so when i was evaluating different career options i thought consulting um, really interested me because of two reasons one is the fact that you get exposure to different industries and different functional areas and when you are a fresher it gives you a good springboard to really take time to evaluate where you want to be so that was one and second the very fact that you can create a lot of impact being in a consulting organization um, where you pick up the most critical problems for business and work with business leaders to solve them so for these two considerations i joined consulting immediately after campus mm. uh, my first stint was with accenture strategy where i spent close to 3 and 1/2 years and uh, there i worked on a range of interesting projects um, in heavy industries and healthcare you know some of the interest, interesting experiences in accenture included included you know uh, working in mines heavy manufacturing locations so it was a complete business transformation experience um, over those three and a half years post that i moved on to monitor uh, to just get a different flavor of consulting um, and at monitor i worked primarily in fmcg and services industries and after spending almost 7 years in consulting um, i 
at, at any point, even when I started my career, I was sure that I wanted to be in a general management role. So that's when the chief of staff role happened and I thought it fit in the sweet spot and um, that's when I took on this opportunity. Hmm. Let me go back to your consulting role a bit, explore it. Yeah. Um, I, I see today when I see a lot of these chief of staff postings, uh, they are looking for people with a background in management consulting or venture capital. Um, you know, being a former management consultant myself, I have kind of seen that world up close. I, so I kind of resonate when you say you get to work across a lot of different industries and different projects, which is what makes the role very exciting. So uh, in the context of your present role as the chief of staff at Lenovo, how much of that experience and that lifestyle fits into, you know, this new role as a general ma- in the general management profile? Because you're, you know, you're not really specializing in anything. It's more of a, uh, you know, wearing different hats at different points in time and dealing with different projects. So does that kind of an experience fits well with the role of the chief of staff? Yeah, I think uh, you said it right. In consulting, the very uh, the premise is that you wear different hats at different points in time. So fundamentally, I think consulting teaches you very strong foundational business skills, be it problem solving, uh, be it structured approach to uh, things, be it senior stakeholder management and having the maturity to deal with senior business leaders. Or at the end of the day, dealing with a lot of flux, right? Because I remember my first day of consulting, I was just put onto a new project where we had to design org structure for a metals and mining company. Mm. Now, the fact that uh, and it's it's in most of the cases you have to learn on the job. Uh, even if you are a functional expert, maybe the industry and the company will be completely new to you. So I think these four things um, are really the foundational skills that consulting teaches you. And with these four basic skills, I think the, what you get at the end of the day is confidence to thrive in any kind of environment, and uh, the confidence that you can stand on your feet even if you are thrown in midst of a lot of ambiguity. And I think that really helped me a lot when I made a shift from consulting to industry because um, I never had technology goods or technology services experience before I joined Lenovo and the organization context was fairly uh, new to me. So I, I obviously every single day during my transition, I look back at a lot of my learnings from consulting and always solve things based on first principles. You might not be an expert in a particular area. But first principles will never uh, defy you or never uh, let you down. Hmm. But, you know, what if I don't come from, I don't have that pedigree. I don't have the name tag of, uh, of a premier institution or the work experience of consultant. How do I uh, aspire, if I am aspiring for a role such as this, how do I prepare myself for it? So to you, if you are the one evaluating my profile, that, okay, this is what I'm trying to see in the, in the candidate. As, as someone who might not have the right checkboxes, but does display the uh, skill set that I need for uh, somebody to succeed in this role. Hmm. So yeah, um, in most, uh, when you're recruiting for someone, right, um, the easy filters you can put is need experience, uh, so many years of experience or experience from consulting or any other particular industry or a business school or some kind of graduation experience, right? So those are easy filters and that's the reality of the world we have to live with, right? Um, 
But having said that, is that the only way to become a chief of staff? Absolutely not. Right. Uh, if you look at the chief of staff role, um, what's important is your ability to hold your ground amidst um, a lot of senior stakeholders. And that comes fundamentally if you have varied experiences on your resume. Right. Um, it doesn't have to mean that you do an MBA or you go to a consulting or a venture capital background. But in your professional career, if you have tinkered with different things or within an organization, you've tried out different things and uh, can establish yourself as someone who is keen to learn and take on new experiences. I think that ticks the biggest um, criteria. Mm. And two, uh, as an individual, you should bring in a lot of passion when you are uh, looking at a role like this because as a chief of staff, you will be assisting and working closely with one of the leaders. And uh, that person and you should have that uh, confidence, the person should have that confidence that you can, if you can take on this mantle for him or my advice would be to people is if you don't have an MBA or a consulting degree, don't, uh, don't let yourself down. You have other ways where you can become a chief of staff. Just work on building all-round profile in your resume and try and look for those new experiences. Mm, look for new experiences. True. Um, tell me about your typical day. You know, as you walk into your uh, to work as every day. So first of all, pre-COVID and now post-COVID, what's what's changed <laughs> after working from home? Uh, has there been a fundamental shift in the way you're working, the way you're dealing? Uh, because I understand it's dealing with a lot of stakeholders and it's working at a one-on-one level with somebody very senior who is expecting you to be there now that you're not there physically how's uh, how's this gap uh, impacted your work surprisingly the transition from pre-covid to post-covid has been extremely smooth um, uh, for us because um, we are a technology company and all of us were equipped to from a devices perspective, all of us were extremely well equipped to work from home immediately after the lockdown was announced. In fact, we started working from home even before the lockdown. And uh, I think, um, let me just talk about my usual day, right? And then I'll talk about work from home policy at Lenovo before uh, COVID. I'm sorry, just to... Sorry, Rohit, I kind of missed your question. I was saying, so you already had a work from home policy at Lenovo before the pandemic. Yes, people could work from home um, if they wanted. So that wasn't a challenge. So all of us adapted to work from home quite well. Uh, so I, I'll just talk about my usual day and then talk out uh, talk about what are the key differences um, in the post-COVID world, right? Um, so my day actually starts the day before. <laughs> so every day before I shut my laptop down, I kind of take 10 minutes to plan the day the next day. Because uh, like you said rightly, there are a lot of dependencies in my role where I need inputs from different stakeholders or I need to work with my team to get a particular task done. So it's extremely important for me to plan the next day well in advance. So I take 10 minutes to just look at my task list and see which are the items I should definitely close tomorrow, which are those items I should initiate tomorrow. And other items which are important for the week, but maybe I don't have to start or complete them tomorrow. So I bucket my activities into these three areas just before I close my day. And within these three areas also, uh, there are certain things where I think I have to do those myself. 
i can't uh, rely on anyone else or it's not a place where i need external support then there is certain activities which i can ask my team to leave then there are certain activities where i need inputs so wherever i need inputs or wherever there is external dependencies like my team pitching in i try to schedule those calls early on in the day so that that's out of the way you also give sufficient time to people to come back with their inputs so either i shoot mails before the end of the day or schedule calls during the end of the day or uh, do that the first thing in the morning if it becomes too late right so that's how i plan my day and my day usually is packed with a lot of meetings so i also have to figure out what is the exact free slot and when do i do a particular activity so i start my day the day before with this planning and um, post that during the day right i think uh, my day has like two three parts um, one is um, being uh, i i am a part of a lot of meetings where uh, the ceo is there and the chief of staff to the ceo so i kind of um, join those meetings and make sure that the priorities that um, we have discussed as part of the strategic planning or the important priorities for the organization are being followed through and tracked in those meetings that's the first part second is um, i do i uh, there are i also lead strategic projects for whole of lenovo india so i spend some time on these projects every day to see what's the progress and if there are any actions required and three i think um, it's um, i uh, being the chief of staff to the ceo there are some areas where you have to support the ceo mm. like uh, be preparing him for any internal external meetings um, helping him with the insights from the organization so there is certain amount of time i spend on that as well so it's a mix of it's very in my view it's a very people intensive role you interact with a lot of people and then uh, and then your day is packed yeah day is packed uh, but it's uh, the intensity is what makes it very exciting mm-hmm. so you know just to understand in consulting we used to have erratic work hours there was no time there was a time to get in to work every morning but there was no time to go mm. back sometimes we used to mm. stretch all the way till 5 uh, in the morning you know the next day so is this has it changed for you is it still the same i think it has um, definitely changed um, and i think a large part of it is also the culture of the organization right um, and the person i work with uh, so uh, till i joined lenovo probably i was also of the opinion that you have to put in long hours that is only when you put in long hours does it mean that you are doing your job 100% right but more often than not what we starting from throwaway <laughs> exactly right that's the mindset you are um, traditionally brought up with uh, in india right you need to put in those hours but over time what you realize is um, if you can find those minor efficiencies in your work you can actually save a lot of time and you don't have to put in a lot of uh, hours so for me when i joined lenovo just pre covid right i used to do uh, yoga every day from 7:30 to 8:30 in the night so no matter what i would leave office by 6 6:30 and then come back and work after my yoga session so initially my days used to be long actually i used to work late in the night because there used to be a few hours of gap in the mm-hmm. day uh, because i had to come back home eat something before my yoga and uh, all that so post covid i think that's something that has changed beautifully because I do my fitness activities in the morning, and by nine thirty or so, I'm ready in front of my laptop, and then I have like uninterrupted uh, time for myself during the day, and um, I don't have to take a break. 
but um, one thing uh, the organization also um, uh, talks about and uh, like i said chief of staff is about the person you work with as well right one thing i've definitely learned from the ceo at lenovo is a focus on getting efficiencies try to finish your 13 14 hours of work in 9 10 hours and that's when you can actually be proud of whatever you are accomplishing so that's been my mantra consciously and i try to kind of squeeze in as much as i can during the day i think that's commendable leadership too because not everybody uh, at the uh, in the c suite are thinking like that way yeah yeah so in fact at lenovo work life balance is one of our core values so even i try to consciously make sure that um, uh i always try to question myself if i take 30 minutes to do something i try to question myself and say did i take more time than required could i have done this in 20 minutes so i think that's what kind of um, helps you and makes you productive over time mm interesting uh why don't you share some anecdotes you know some uh, interesting projects that you that you have had the opportunity to do at lenovo after becoming the chief of staff so people get a flavor of you know the kind of uh, work they can expect to do and how that might create value they might create value in the organization and for themselves uh, as a consequence yeah so as chief of staff you will be exposed to multiple projects um, from businesses some come top down from the ceo but i think uh, what's really important is for you to clearly define mm. what is your role going to be in these projects some projects are something that you have to fundamentally drive and uh, you have to be the owner of the project in some cases maybe your role is not that you have to program manage now for a young professional it's very easy to get carried away and try to get their hands into everything hmm. my call out to people is that don't try to do that because one person cannot do everything so be very clear about the projects that you want to pick and what exactly is your role going to be in those projects and you should also clearly have a list of the projects that you won't do because otherwise you you end up doing everything right so so um, i'll just give a flavor of so it uh, in the strategic projects what do you prioritize those projects because if it's coming from somebody in the senior team you might have to say no to them somebody who's senior to you how do you deal with those situations and how do you make sure that these are the five projects out of a given you know set of 15 maybe that i will do and i will prioritize and you know make sure the others are also kind of being managed biggest mantra you should take is actually you should evaluate what your role should be based on two dimensions mm. one is how important is the project to the company right um, and um, if you think it's an important project obviously it should be in the list or it should be in the ceo's radar and hence in your radar as well second is are you the right person to do that project now when i say right person there is one element around skill set because you come from a different background or a different industry and you might bring some natural skill set that's one element second element is are you the best person in the organization to do that as well because there might be someone else who is more capable to do that uh, then maybe you should not uh, get into that if that person has that bandwidth so i think uh, these are the two dimensions that you should evaluate uh, consider while evaluating which projects will you get into uh, right and sometimes nobody in the organization might have the bandwidth to do it that's when you also have to jump in probably and that again comes in the dimension of are you the right person to do this project so based on that you have a pool of projects that you can look at 
Now, the pool should not be large at any point in time, right? If you are program managing, I think the program management should be for around 10 to 12 projects at max. And if you're doing some projects, which means you're leading and getting into the detail, I think it should be more three at max. Two is like the ideal number. So once you are clear about the projects on your plate, um, I'm saying you should pick up maybe 10 to 12 projects where you purely play a program management role and somebody else leads it. And maybe a couple of projects where you get into the details and you kind of own those projects um, in partnership with the business team. Mm. Now, the reality is that sometimes you might get more projects in the pipeline from business leaders or from the CEO as the, as we progress. Now, that's when you should take a step back, not get carried away in the momentum. I would um, suggest people to take a step back and see, can you do justice to all those projects? If not, maybe you should have a conversation with your um, leader and align on what's your role in these new projects. Maybe it means drop some of the old projects mm -hmm. or maybe hand over the new projects to someone else. So it's not an easy conversation, but uh, for, to be a successful chief of staff, right? Uh, I think it's very important to learn to say no. Uh, say no to your boss directly, right? And that's the kind of uh, honest and transparent communication link you should build. I think that's not just the secret to success in... Uh being a cheaper stuff is just the secret to success in life. You have to learn to say no Absolutely. to a Absolutely, right? Otherwise, um, you might not do justice to your job. You end up doing sub subpar work, yeah. So, uh, you know, coming back to uh, the projects, can you tell us about some projects? You know, what kind of projects are these? And which ones do you find uh, more interesting or something recent that you've done that you can share with us? So I'll give you a high level flavor of the projects. Um, as chief of staff, um, you can work across uh, projects that spread all the, any of the functions, any of the business units, or projects that are important at an organization level. A few examples that I can give are, um, a few projects that I've worked on very closely are uh, for a particular business unit that we are a part of. Mm. Um, how do we improve our premium um, positioning and our share in the premium market? Okay. Obviously, the project was led by the business team because it's core to the business. But um, I work with the business teams actively to kind of bring structure to the project and um, uh, work with them to see how do we track and review that going forward. And there are some projects which are, you know, um, unique to all the segments or spread across all the segments and function areas like entry into a new market segment altogether, uh, where we are not present, but we have to evaluate the market, look at the current competition and understand whether we can enter that market or not. If we can enter, how do we do it? So I can't, um, for, for certain reasons, take the name of the project, but uh, this just gives a flavor of the work, right? So where you do market assessment. And growth and go to market. And Absolutely. those are the areas that kind of projects that you can do. Uh, and it could be like core people related as well, right? Uh, last couple of years, Lenovo is on this journey of culture transformation. So last year, that was a big project that the CEO was driving. And I also worked closely with him in uh, driving the project. Hmm. A lot of companies are trying to do that. Do that. Uh, that's like the biggest bottleneck. And in fact, I've been you know, doing a lot of research and reading on digital transformation initiatives of legacy companies. 
and i right. think big bottleneck for all of them is uh, we don't know how to handle our you know core culture something that they've been doing day in day out for the last 40 years and 50 years it just you know it's just put them in this vicious cycle they're trying to break it right this is why application of the number one challenge right now why a lot of companies are struggling is because they apply digital in piecemeal when in fact they should have really looked at the entire uh, you know operational structure of the business and figure out how this how this could be achieved and like keep your people safe right at the heart of it absolutely absolutely you're right uh my next question to you is around uh, you know uh, some some major challenges that you deal with being a chief of staff so one you know just taking uh, a cue from uh, the example that you just shared just working with senior leaders in the organization and their teams on a project that they own now you're there right uh, kind of you're the shadow to the ceo if i might call you that uh, does that create uh, you know some kind of a pressure on the team members there now now she is there we have to be a little more careful we can't bring <laughs> you know that could be a challenge to you how do you make sure uh, because brian romao you know he touched upon this and he said when you're working on projects one of the important things is you can't be dropping the ceo's name you have to bring your own self absolutely so have you dealt with those challenges and if yes how do you you know make sure the team is comfortable with you and the leader with whom you're working with he's not feeling I I I won't go so far as to say threatened but you know uh, feel feel like there is an attack on you know his domain in any given way hmm hmm, hmm. I think uh, the way to do it is first of all right uh, if you are the chief of staff for um, uh, for any leader you should just uh, expect that you won't be the most liked person in the company in any way because people always think it it's the reality right people think maybe um, is there like you said i don't say threatened because threatened um, is not the right way but you might not be likable because you have to go and chase certain priorities ask people on why a particular thing is not progressing or share progress updates so it's it's definitely not a not an easy thing for the person on the receiving end as well so i would say the only way to kind of break this is by building trust directly and you don't build trust by dropping in the ceo's name every time mm. right you build trust by the fact that you can add value to the team and um, you can bring your own ideas or your own suggestions to the team and as long as you do that i think uh, uh the team will treat you as an inclusive part and uh, all of you are working towards the betterment of the organization goal i think that takes time hmm. because in the initial few days people also try to figure out who are you and what is your personality like uh once you start working closely with people and build that relationship i think they also start to value what you bring to the table hmm. my only advice to people is don't just bother about uh, the world around you in terms of uh, what they think or how they feel uh, try to do the right thing and as long as your intent is right i think everything else will fall in place if your intent is not right then you'll also start having a lot of questions uh, 
if at a particular point in time if you think you should be aggressive or you should be uh, not so um, amicable in a particular situation and if you're doing it for the right reason then that's fine you can find peace uh, with yourself oh that's an incredible advice i would say because i i think a lot of people uh, even when they do have intent uh, they lack the communication or uh, i should i say the strength to really you know call a spade a spade and you're saying you have to have that clarity and strength to do that every now and then absolutely yeah that's when people respect you as well otherwise you end up being conduit for the ceo or the leader right and uh, you also want to build your personal brand in the process and that's where i think um, you should be authentic to what you're doing in this role it won't work you can't be a yes minister Sorry? you can't be you can't be everything to absolutely. everybody at the same point in time absolutely absolutely yeah okay um tell me a little bit about uh, the progression of this role so now that you've uh, you've been in this role for somewhere about uh, you'll be finishing 3 years now so i guess uh so one and a half year half year okay so uh you know what's like what's in it for you 5 years down the line uh where can you go after this and what's the most rewarding part for you right now in the role uh that made you say you know leave that amazing some what some might call amazing consulting life for something like that. <laughs> yeah i think the most rewarding part of this role is um the fact that uh, personally you get to learn a lot um, the amount of exposure you get to different areas is unparalleled and that's the similarity with consulting i find and that's why the transition from consulting to chief of staff role has been very smooth for me so as to say because there are a lot of similarities second the uh, big plus point of this role is stakeholders um, the relationships that you build and the people that you work with uh, and those go a long way when you are looking at building a long term career in the organization right so you you get to and it it the role teaches you a lot of maturity and emotional intelligence as well because most of the time you're dealing with people people who are a lot more senior than you as well so it it helps you assess be more self aware about yourself and also look at build build some core leadership skills as you look at growing your career as well um that's two and uh, three i think is this role has insane ability to create impact because um, you are working directly with the ceo you know what the what are the top five things that are important for the organization at that point in time and you have the canvas laid in front of you to play a role in driving those five things so i think the happiness that you get in driving impact is amazing so i think these are the three things that have really kind of kept me very engaged in this role so far um yeah and to your second question right um, on the what next right what next sorry career progression yes what's next uh in terms of career progression uh, so a lot of people um, uh, take different paths from this role some people um, get into sales some people get into uh, marketing finance depending on their particular interest and what's also available at that point in time oh. i think um, what people one advice to people who are doing this role is try to find out what what is it that excites you and uh, which are the areas that you might want to explore a career in 
in the organization after the stint is over maybe once a couple of years are done in the role you should start making sure that you build all the skill sets required to succeed in that next role so nobody knows what the next role is going to be you can have a wish list of the roles but then uh, if you want to do a sales role maybe right uh, just give an example maybe what you should do is you should try and attend sales calls along with some of the teams that are doing so you know how customers think how sales managers think so yeah people should also look at building the skill sets required for the next role uh, you know sagrika a lot of uh, chief of staff that i've spoken to i've, I've done now almost eight or nine interviews i hear a lot of them maybe because uh, there is this startup bias almost six of them are working for some leading startups in india and they tell me you know, this is like the highway to the c suite right and most of them want to be in be there it's either you know at the ceo of another growth startup or uh, you know uh, a pathway to become the coo or a cmo in their own uh, startup so do you think do you think that's uh, it it does make your pathway to the c suite swifter faster yeah absolutely i think it's a, it's a great experience right and this is one of those uh, what do you say crucible kind of an experience and uh, obviously uh, you will depending on how well you perform in the role the path is really open for you in terms of picking up very interesting roles going forward oh awesome. i think um, you know i want to be the devil's advocate and you know as we come to the closing of this interview i want to ask you first you know tell me something you don't like about your job that if this is one thing which is a major turn off for me or something you know i don't know what yeah um i don't know maybe i'm sure there is something about your job that you don't like hate like you know when you uh, consultants we used to hate you know those long hours i used to sometimes um you know or or you know random meetings which you didn't even know were unplanned uh you know off the off the cuff so those kind of things i didn't like so there must be something which you know i won't say like really negative but uh, kind of hinders your overall direction or day in any given way i won't say negative but um, see one of the things is um, this role can be quite intense right uh, first 10 minutes you might be working on something and then there might be some other urgent priority that comes in and you have to address that and then that might change within the next 30 minutes so sometimes there might be a lot of flux and a lot of uh, changes that happen as at a personal level actually to be honest coming from consulting i kind of enjoy it i kind of enjoy that uh, hustle and uh, kind of um, continuously changing environment but then if that continues for a long time right um, that could be a problem even for the most seasoned people who enjoy this undergrad so i think that's i won't say it's a negative but that's one pitfall you should watch out for that uh, don't get carried away with different priorities that come at a different different points in time maybe uh, and if you do that you fall into the trap of not taking a big picture view of things so maybe i would say uh, sometimes i end up doing that right if there are 10 things that come during the day i do all those 10 but maybe at the end of the day i wouldn't have ticked off anything from my original task list that i set for the day so then that leaves you at the end of the day it leaves you jaded and uh, unhappy if you haven't closed what you set set out for the day 
so maybe that's something you should consciously watch out for and uh, uh, always always try to prioritize there will be 100 things that come your way and try to prioritize things hmm interesting me i i just want to ask one question on uh, you know uh, the kind of uh, skills that i need to have to deliver on this job so we th- touched briefly on uh, a um, you need to be highly organized is one thing that i can take away from this job which is true for consulting as well because that's how you manage chaos you can only have to be organized correct uh to um you have to have exceptional communication skills because you are talking to some very senior people and junior people in the organization so you need to Absolutely. you know change your frequency every now and then um so you know that part these two major things what are the other things that you think i should bring to the table if uh, i want to make sure that you know i'm selected for the role i think uh, the other major thing you should bring to the table is relationship management and um ability that you can um, deal with different types of stakeholders um junior senior your level everything so i would say i would probably rate that as the most important part of your role because you said it right right sometime back that you won't have ceo uh, ceo standing next to you every single time but at the same time when you're going to a meeting you want to carry your own weight to the meeting and not pick up the ceo's name every single time so which means uh, the entire relationship management understanding how the other person thinks what are his or her motivations to be in a particular situation i think that becomes extremely important because you have to actually influence without formal authority at times Mm. and that's only possible if you uh, try to understand people more see what motivates them and build a good working relationship with people i think that that's the foremost um, criteria to being a successful chief of staff and other than the two things you said maybe the other element which i've touched upon also is having a clear clarity clarity on what your role is and what your role is not and the definition of role itself is very fluid right uh, what i mean to say is just be clear about what do you want to what are the battles you want to pick what are the clear no go territories and uh, how do you kind of divide your time between these areas so that clarity of thought is extremely important you know i have one question which intrigues me um uh, as the chief of staff you know you working directly with the ceo uh which means you need to have an excellent relationship with one person in the organization right absolutely absolutely calling the shots in consulting you know i've seen instances when uh, somebody uh, in the junior ranks if they've had a difference in opinion they can always they change go, managers yeah change partners they go work for somebody yeah. else somebody else team but that's not the flexibility i have um, in this role how do you be very honest with that person whom you're working for if you're not liking something that's happening to you uh and uh, you know manage this this uh, uh pressure that might come as a result hmm. yeah i mean you're right it's a high stakes role right and the equation you have with that one particular person defines the make or break yeah because will i suffer my uh, future if i'm not able to have that working relationship with the person i will absolutely yeah so i would go back to the point on having the right intent 
and um, so if you have the right intent and if you have the courage to speak your mind with your um, boss i think things will fall in place uh-huh. not everyone might give you the headroom to express yourself 100% uh but i think that's the trust you should build and it's an ongoing process i feel mm. and some people are extremely happy about accepting feedback that's when your job becomes very easy in fact the first thing uh, when i got into this role was uh, when we were defining the charter for my role my boss said one of the important aspects about your role is to keep me honest and give me constant feedback so he himself was very inviting when it uh, in in terms of giving honest feedback but if not everyone can have that um, that kind of culture organization culture as well but i think the you have to take it in your hands and make sure that you have that honest conversation with that person otherwise you end up being unhappy and uh, you might not deliver well on the role as well so um, i would say just do the right thing don't have ulterior motives and don't try to sugarcoat stuff be honest and everything will fall in place and for people who are just starting this role i would say um, this becomes the most important part establishing relationship with the uh, c suite leader so you should spend time understanding that person what that person likes does not like what's his or her management style mm-hmm. and then uh, define your role charter according to that uh. very interesting i uh, you know just want to ask you how uh, how you were evaluated for this role so when you uh, hey how did you find uh, find out about this opportunity and then uh, you know on the day of your interview what kind of a conversation did you have you know with the ceo how many rounds were there what 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 kind of other people did you meet before you met the ceo and you know who were evaluating you on this role yeah so i had i think um, around four rounds of interviews if i'm not wrong yeah four rounds i met with a couple of uh, c suite leaders and then had a couple of rounds with the ceo as well and uh, most of the interviews um, deep dive on the one the functional skills um, and anyway uh, they were also very clear that i don't come from technology industry background so i wasn't grilled on the industry per se but i was more grilled around uh, how how i would approach situations um, be it a particular functional problem or beat softer aspects like well, how do you deal in case of conflict or how do you manage some of the softer uh, situations in an organization so a large part of my interview has been about sharing my experiences be, maybe drill down on projects was like 20% of the interview focus uh, when i say projects it's the pure functional skill set that i would bring to the table so these Then are the projects that you have already done at accenture and in Monitor. consulting correct correct like what was the project about what were the recommendations why did we do that right got it yeah and they would also in the process right give throw in one or two problems that lenovo or a particular company is facing and would ask you on how you would deal in that particular situation so that that's that's a part of functional so functional is like 20 30% of the interview i would say and then the bulk of it 50% is about um, you as a person how do you deal with some of the ambiguous conflict related situations mm-hmm. now one of the questions i remember just to give an example is uh, tell us an instance where a client was openly unhappy about your work and what did you do 
in that particular situation and how did you build trust with that particular client right and i almost we almost spent like 15 20 minutes on that particular instance um so uh, be prepared to answer a lot of these softer qualitative uh, aspects of your past experience as well i just curious and how how long did these interviews last for you at a stretch how long were they i i think uh, maybe each interview was one one and a half hours maybe one hour i guess yeah okay, that's long long the last one the last one was long but then other interviews were one hour Hmm. And you know, very specifically, when when you finally met the CEO, what was that conversation like? Is it like you know, you've already cleared all the rounds, and this is just a courtesy meeting, or was you know, uh, still still you know, it's it was still some distance for you uh, get the call? No, I think it wasn't definitely a courtesy meeting because uh, the role was chief of staff to the CEO, and ultimately he had to decide. who he wanted to work with so uh, the others provided inputs um, in my case i met a i met one of the c suite leaders after i met the ceo in fact um, so it wasn't a done deal it was definitely um, um, completely unknown territory so in terms of the interview right like i was saying a lot of it was focused on experience and maybe um, uh, 20% on functional experience um, are you there rohit yeah yeah, yeah. see your frame freezing again Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So 20% on functional experience, uh, where um, I was asked about a couple of projects I did. Um, they asked me to talk about uh, the most interesting project I have done, and why would I call it the most interesting project? Mm. And again, the most challenging project I have done, and what were my learnings from that? Okay. Right. And then the second part of the interview were really those uh, deep dive questions into your leadership skill sets. Yeah. um how did you manage your team how did you manage your client a tough client uh what were the high points and low points in your consulting career and why through these questions they try to understand a lot about how you react in different situations okay. so you should be prepared to answer these situational questions and sometimes these situational questions could be hypothetical as well let's say in future you walk into this meeting and there are two senior leaders not seeing eye to eye what would you do in that situation right and you were supposed to lead the meeting what would you do so there will be some hypothetical situations as well and then the last 20% of the interview is also about knowing you as a person hmm. because um, you said it right a large part of this role is also about building that equation with that person so at the end of the day both of you should like each other and should be able to connect at an individual level as well so a large part of it was about what am i as a person what do i like what do i do during my free time what kind of books do i like so i think it's it's that these are the three areas people should prepare when they're looking at interviews and when you come in uh, you know just your first week when you joined did you guys kind of hook to get hook up together and set up the ground rules of how we're going to work together uh, how we are going to evolve this relationship you know um, did he brief you some uh, a little bit about his management style as you just said or is this this something that you discover as you keep working on you know projects after projects with the man yeah i mean uh, my first conversation with the ceo was um, was nothing like right? he said uh, simply i don't want you to 
get bogged down by work right now just take your time to absorb and learn about the organization that was my first conversation and he was very clear that uh, in the next 30 days he wouldn't expect any tangible deliverable for me but he would expect me to build a fair understanding about the organization and the people mm-hmm. so that's what i did and that would be my advice to anyone who is just starting into this role don't try to just hit the rubber on the road on day one itself because this role is very very contextual no two companies will have the same responsibilities for chief of staff so it's 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 vain to kind of borrow one experience and kind of copy paste in another situation so spend some time which is what consultants usually do they keep applying frameworks <laughs> right so take time to understand take time to understand what the organization is and what i did in my case is i created a 30 day 60 day and a 90 day plan hmm. where i said in 30 days maybe i will attend all these meetings i'll do um, i'll set up one on ones with these people i'll go through these documents incredible so i just made one for me uh, just this past week i was just trying to evaluate my next quarter like okay what what am i going to do next 30 days or the next 60 days what my what i going to what are going to be my priorities yeah so i think that's the most underrated part of management right people usually don't look at making plans at that level of detail but that really helps you and this gives you some focus on what are the key areas that you're going to focus work on otherwise work keeps uh, hitting you from all sides and you don't know uh, where to involve yourself in and 90 days on plan you're like i i haven't been able to achieve anything because i'm not tracking Absolutely. anything uh, yeah correct correct Awesome. So yeah, the 30-day plan becomes important. Awesome, Sagrika. Uh, amazing talking to you. And you know, just out of curiosity, I see a lot of books behind you. Are you getting more time to read now? Unfortunately, no, because um, <laughs> I used to be a book buff uh, till some time back. But the new thing I got latched onto now is fitness. So if I get time, I spend that time on fitness-related activities. So I'm really not finding time to read books. <laughs> okay, great. You're <laughs> investing somewhere valuable. Most yeah, people, yeah. most people are uh, spending time on uh, Netflix and Prime. That's where bulk of their time goes. Yeah, Every yeah. Every friend that I talk so... to, like their weekends go and go, you know, totally into movies and streaming. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. I was like that till some time back. Uh, but now I think uh, I'm prioritizing shock. fitness. That was the shock of work from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I know I have a huge backlog on Netflix and Prime that I have to clear. I don't know when I'll get to it, but uh, hopefully soon. Hmm. Just wondering uh, Sagrika has the pandemic uh, had any tangible impact on the business so far because you know the rbi report just came out yesterday and i was just having a quick go through some of the news reports and they're talking about a contraction in consumption and retail has hit the worst and that's where uh, mm. i i know mm. because lenovo uh, they've been selling these they have these enterprise deals because we had ey we used to use uh, we had lenovo thinkpads uh almost every organization that's like to go to and it has been my favorite device i've been using then i think that think about x230 i bought it for like 7 8 years ago and i used it it is such a hardcore laptop and what i really love about it yeah. is it's hardcore you know 
i used yeah. to choose it and dump it and <laughs> you know a huge heap of my clothes used to be always always lying on top of it it yeah. used to work amazingly well uh, up until i just replaced it so uh, uh, tell me something about what's really happening in the business right now so yeah um when the lockdown happened right um, and um, when a lot of companies suddenly started working from home mm-hmm. so we saw an increase in demand from enterprises because all of them wanted to provide laptops to their employees to facilitate work from home and uh, some of them also wanted to replace desktops with laptops uh, because that's more convenient to work from so that uh, saw some increase so towards march april we saw an increase in demand from the enterprise side Oh. and on the consumer side uh, till the lockdown was there you were right uh, till may 18th even e-commerce wasn't allowed to deliver laptops and tablets so uh, so there was a lull on the consumer segment but after the market has opened up uh, now because online class classes have become the norm we see some increase in the market on the consumer front as well uh, because people are people families with two kids earlier had probably one pc now they need two pcs for both their kids and similarly families who didn't have pcs need a pc to facilitate online learning so on the consumer side we are seeing some increase in demand but we'll have to wait and watch to see how this will transform in the long term once the situation settles down yeah because uh, i don't think physical stores are opening anytime soon is it now completely relationship driven for you and uh, online so um physical stores are open in some places actually in most places they're open um some mall stores are not open probably but otherwise um uh, on the consumer side stores are open but you are right online is the growth driver right now because people are still not very comfortable to step step out and go into a store correct yeah so so online is growing um, on the enterprise side uh, right now there is people are also waiting and watching that because they've done huge purchases in march april time period so now they're waiting and watching and we'll have to see it it on the enterprise side our growth will largely follow the overall economy trajectory and we'll have to see what that's going to be yeah it's not going to be good <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so all right sagrika thank you so much uh, for being uh, uh, being my guest today great conversation Uh, you touched upon so many different uh, aspects of your role uh, the impact that it creates the impact i can create in the organization is i think my biggest takeaway from this discussion so if somebody is out there if you're listening to the interview i think uh, she's shared a ton of insights around how you can create that difference and uh, what's in it for you so thank you with that note sagrika uh, thank you so much for being on the show thanks roit nice talking to you Thank you.